Our story is Adam and Eve's story. We were hiding in the garden, making excuses for our sin, unable to cover up our shame. Our story is Jonah's story. We were running from God, denying our calling, surrounded by a raging sea. Our story is a prodigal son story. We were wasting our blessings, lost in our failures, too afraid to return home. Our story is Peter's story. We were unbelieving, full of fear and doubt, our faith slowly sinking beneath the waves. But that is not the end of our story. We are all longing to be restored. We want to stop running. We want to be found. We want to believe, and we are crying out for a savior. So God stepped in, into a broken world, into human form, into our very lives. God stepped into our mess, into our sin, into our failure, our fear, our doubt. stepped into death and the door shut behind him. And then he arose and left it all in the grave. He wiped clean our story and started writing a new one. One without shame, without fear, without death. A story full of love and forgiveness. A story of redemption and restoration. It's our life story. It's his story. It's a resurrection story. For a few minutes this morning, I want to share with you the remarkable events that took place on a Sunday nearly 2,000 years ago. But before I do, I want to talk to you about another Sunday to kind of set the stage. A Sunday not so long ago, January 3rd, 1999. Now, think carefully. Can you remember anything of significance that happened? Oh, wait a minute. I guess you can. On June 3rd, uh, excuse me, January 3rd, 1999, most people can't, unless you are a Buffalo Bills fan. If you were to interview anybody, and there's, only, there's basically four or five of them in the world, a Buffalo Bills fan, and ask them, do you remember January 3rd, 1999? They would tell you in detail everything that happened, but I'll sum it up for you. The Bills were in the playoffs. They were losing to the Houston Oilers 35-3 to in the third quarter with 8 minutes and 53 seconds left. Are the odds against them to make a comeback? Well, I want to increase the odds. Buffalo's Hall of Fame quarterback, Jim Kelly, was injured. 
He was out. He was not playing. And they're down 35 to 3 with 8 minutes and 53 seconds left. They had a backup quarterback in the game. His name was Frank Reich. And fans started to leave. Would you blame them? They started to walk out. Hey, let's get a start on the way home. After all, no team in the history of the NFL has ever come back from 35 to 3 in the third quarter. It's over. It's over. People turned off the TV, went about their business. But Houston's defense all of a sudden woke up. Maybe there was caffeine being given on the sidelines. They did not allow a point the rest of the game. And the backup quarterback, Frank Reich, threw four touchdowns. The last one in, in the few moments left in the game, they tied, went to overtime, and there a field goal was kicked, and Buffalo won in the greatest comeback in the history of the NFL. And the reason you've never heard of the Houston Oilers, those of you who are young, is because they don't exist anymore. Largely, not largely, but a lot to do with this loss, they became the Tennessee Titans. Had to leave town after this one. This was terrible. The fans were going berserk. And if you ask a Bills fan today, they'll say this was the greatest comeback ever. But it wasn't. It pales in comparison to the other comeback. The one that happened 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Jesus had spent three years traveling, preaching, and teaching. He had made a lot of friends, but he made a lot of enemies too. The Jewish leaders wanted to see him dead because he was a threat to their control. The Roman government, they were no fans. They wanted to see him dead because he was a threat to their power. And then Satan himself wanted to see Jesus dead so he could have unthreatened rule over the earth. There was an unholy trinity combined together to get Jesus to arrest him and to kill him. He was nailed to a wooden cross and lifted up between two thieves, one to the right and one to the left. He was bloody. He was dying. He was shamed. And then John tells us the story of what happened next. And John was there at the cross that day. This is from John chapter 19. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, I thirst and a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. And since it was a day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, the Jews asked Pilate that the legs be broken so they might be taken away. When you were being crucified, the only way you could stay alive was to prop, your, to prop yourself up with your feet, arch your back so you could catch a breath. If your legs were broken, you would die right away. 
not be able to breathe at all. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. And though, and he who saw it has borne witness, John, the one who wrote this, his testimony is true. And he knows he is telling the truth so that you may believe. Easter is about a finish that wasn't an end. It was a finish, but it wasn't an end. And they thought it was. Would you not have thought it was the end? Would you not have turned off the program and gone home? Would you not have left the foot of the cross and said, this is over. This is the end. There's no hope after this. After all, they heard Jesus say, it is finished. And they probably interpreted that as he was finished. But he didn't say that. He said, it is finished. What the Father gave me to do to die for the sins of the world, it's done. It's finished. But the comeback was about to begin. Jesus' setback was the beginning of a holy comeback. He was crucified. His body was laid in a tomb. And three days later, early in the morning, a woman named Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to finish anointing his dead body for burial. And she had resigned herself to the fact that he was dead. It was over. There was no chance now. The hopes and dreams of a new world free from oppression and evil were over. But something happened that day. And this is in John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped to look inside the tomb, and she saw two angels sitting in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Easter means we have a living hope. We have a living hope. Our hope isn't in the fact that Christ died on the cross our hope is in the fact that he rose again from the grave. And because he rose, all who believe one day can rise again. There will be a second coming. There will be the shout of the archangel. There will be a trumpet from God. And all those who have died believing in Jesus will rise again. We will get new bodies, kind of like the body he got when he rose from the dead. A new body. And we will never die again. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
from the dead. And that is what we're celebrating today. And that's what we're going to celebrate right now as we take communion. So we're going to take communion this morning, maybe in a way that you're not used to. And, and it's okay. Jesus told us to take the bread and the, the wine. And he said, when we do, do it in remembrance of him. So there's all kinds of ways you can do it. There weren't any specific instructions given at that time. And so sometimes we pass the bread and the wine and people take it in their seat. Uh, we do it all kinds of ways. But today we're going to do it in a special way because it's, it's Easter. And we call this family style. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up in just a moment. Take the little cup. And if you haven't gotten a cup yet, they're available in the back. Pick one up. And then form up a little group. Maybe if you came with friends, just get a little friend group together. If you came with your family, then be a family group together. If you came without anybody knowing anybody else, then you're part of our family. My wife and I and our children will make our way up here to the front, right over here, and we will take communion together, and you can join us. In your group, somebody needs to take the lead. Somebody needs to pray and say, God, we thank you that you died and you rose again. And if the Lord should give you other things to pray, pray those things. And then have everybody open their cup, take the bread, then everybody open up and drink the juice. But make it a special time for friends or for family. You can do it alone if you want to, and I get that. But it would be an honor to have you do it with us or with one of the other families here as well today. So can we have some music to take communion by? And then let's stand to our feet. Lord, we thank you for this special time, this time that we can remember, we can remember that though it was finished, you weren't finished, and that nothing is over until you say it's over. And Lord, as we take communion today, God, we do it in remembrance of you. And those of you at home, this is your chance to go to the refrigerator, get some uh, juice, some cracker, and take communion together. So let's do it. Let's make our way to different places. You can stand in the back. You can stand in your seat. You can form a group any place you would like to and take communion with your family and with your friends. And again, if you're alone, make your way up to the front. We'd love to have communion with you.